Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Happy Wednesday. Uh, We are back with another amazing episode and I kind of feel like I did a bit of an intro to the week on Monday's episode and I am recording both intros back to back. I tend to do my my editing for both episodes at the weekend so I kind of edit the audio and all that together and then record the intros. So um, if you're listening (laughs) back to back or in the same week uh, you might not remember what I've just talked about, but I've literally just talked about it. So I feel like I would just be repeating myself and that's not the most exciting. Um, but anyway, yes, I hope you are having a, a good Wednesday so far. And hey, are you uh, a workaholic? <laughs> are you someone who is always busy filling their schedule with all kinds, all kinds of stuff? And the answer for me is absolutely I am. <laughs> and some of the questions is one that, that Cara mentions in this episode. I have definitely been asked multiple times and it is always the sleep question, isn't it? How, <laughs> how do you get enough time to sleep because of that being busy and being busy? And I mean, again, I don't want to steal Cara's thunder by kind of going over all of it, but it is definitely something I can relate to of always being busy and uh, being a perfectioner. Um, that's up there, I guess, with the words like entrepreneur, which actually I was pleasantly surprised or pleased listening back. It's one of those words I always think I can't say properly. It always feels weird (laughs) when it comes out, but I think I I said it right throughout this. Um, it's, it's definitely something that I completely resonate with. Um, and I am sure (laughs) I am not alone in that being busy and trying to always strive for stuff. And sometimes that balance goes and you know when I've had that sleep question before honestly for me and this is a well-being podcast mental well-being all of that kind of stuff and to be honest it is the well-being stuff that goes for me so as much as I come on and I talk about it and I um that these things are really beneficial sometimes it can be difficult to to maintain them and and I can get very wrapped up in what I am working towards and work and all of that kind of stuff. And it is often sometimes for me, the sleep, the nutrition, all all of those things uh, that can be really beneficial that that go. So that's that's me. That's something I'm working on with my, my own journey and trying to find that balance. And you may be listening to me at the moment thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. I have great balance in my life I have downtime I whatever (laughs) I tune into how I'm how I'm doing I'm not constantly working and that is fantastic if you if you're thinking that and I would love to know your secrets (laughs) because uh, this is a yeah very very and a very apt conversation for me uh listening back to it was great because there are some very important messages for me that's I need reminding of often because it can be so easy to slip back (laughs) into those habits and those patterns. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and that you take some some great tips away from it for yourself to move away from that workaholic uh, state that uh, 
can often lead to that burnout and that sense of overwhelm. So with all that being said, let's dive in to this conversation with Cara. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Cara, to the podcast. So welcome. And if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm a mental health therapist. I've been doing this for almost 10 years in September. And, uh, you know, it's just really become part of my identity and the work that I do. I do a lot of different things. I do stuff in suicide prevention. I work mostly with young adults. Um, And more recently, I've really started working with people on perfectionism because that's something that we've seen on the rise since the 1980s to now. So it's just been interesting to kind of work with people who self-identify as perfectionistic or type A or workaholic. Um, I relate to all those things. (laughs) And so (laughs) to have them coming into my office doing the therapeutic work has been eye-opening for both me and my clients. Yeah. I definitely relate to a lot of those as well. Um, and before we, we dive into all of that great stuff, um, how did you get into the, the mental health field? You know, it, it's interesting. I get that question a lot. And I feel like um, at least yeah. here in the States, I think that people have kind of two possibilities, one of which is they were the natural confidant to their friends and family where people were sharing secrets or sharing stressors. Um, and so they just found that that was just naturally a role that they would take on. And then I think there's another group of us that had maybe a traumatic event when we were young and hopefully got support. And so then we want to have that role for somebody else or we want to pass that on, pay it forward. Um, And so I think for a lot of us, it's a combination of both. But at this point, you know, we all just kind of get drawn to this idea of trying to help people and how do we do that well? Mm. Yeah, I I definitely relate to the, the second camp. And I think there is something about having been supported and having felt how powerful that is of kind of wanting to, I don't know, give back or something. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with mental health and I think there are so, there's so much misunderstanding around about it. And I think if you get it, you get it. And quite often you can get it without having gone through it. But I think if you've gone through it, it just gives you that kind of extra, like I've been there, I, I, I get it. And I think that can really help when you're working mm-hmm. with people to have that. It helps with the empathy and, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you said you work mostly with young adults. And is there any particular reason why you work with that group and particularly with perfectionism in that group? Is it is it something that's particularly prevalent with young people? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, well, I think, you know, I kind of naturally have followed them as they've grown up, too. I started my career working with families and, um, you know, youth on probation. So those could be teenagers who've made a poor choice or something's happened. And then more recently, just have followed more of the college and graduate student kind of groups there here in the U.S. And, um, you know, something I'm tracking with the perfectionism is that people compare. We're comparing ourselves to people all the time, constantly. And social media has made this so much easier to do. And with that very one-sided lens of, oh, look at everyone be successful, look how happy they are. I think perfectionism has naturally just shown up more because we're comparing all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. we just get a snapshot of someone and all of a sudden we're like, oh, they look like so successful. Why can't I be like that? Mm. And I guess, you know, with social media, that maybe just kind of um, reinforces it because there isn't that separation. And I guess with young people, their lives are much more not all, not for all of them, but generalizing <laughs> very more, very much social media kind of focus. So they're constantly seeing, yes, seeing that and comparing themselves to that. 
Yeah, I think there's a researcher here. She's been collecting the data on just people's experiences from 1980 to now. And this youngest generation, which has been coined as Gen Z or iGen, depending on what books you read, um, it's the 2004 to now population. They have never not had internet. They have never not had mm -hmm. social media. And so for them, it is just a natural experience to see someone across the world or across the pond and see that they're successful and want that. And it's just... Mm -hmm. It's not reality, and yet they're having a really hard time making that distinction. And then they're seeing these 20-year-olds become millionaires, which has kind of been this glorified thing of, I want that success. How do I get that? And it's just quite an interesting journey to watch them go through. Yeah. I remember um, a few years ago um, teaching and working with year seven students. So kind of, I guess, the first year of our high school. So they're like 11, 12. And you ask them that, what they want to be. <laughs> YouTuber, gamer. <laughs> And you're trying to say to them like, well, yes, some people have done that and been successful. So it's not that it's not a career, but the chances of everyone <laughs> that wants to do it, being able to do it and just kind of thinking right at the start, well, like halfway through your education, but at the start of that kind of like serious bit going, well, I don't really need to do this because I'm just going to be a YouTuber. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that there's this word influencer, which describes that experience, right? Like I, I was on social media yesterday because a lot of us use it for our businesses as well. And it was like how to be an influencer in four days. Like it was a training. And I was like, it just blew my mind. I mean, I'm feeling kind of old right now, but yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's a thing. People want to do this. And those youngest 20-somethings are all about it. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. And maybe, again, it's a generational thing because I kind of think if there are going to be people that I look up to and who influence me, it's going to be people who have achieved something or they've, they've done something amazing that's not just about I made some fun videos or whatever. It'll be for a particular reason. But mm -hmm. it seems like there's almost this idea that like anyone can be an influencer. And again, this is, yeah, see, look, we're going off on a tangent. But <laughs> quite often the people who... I've seen who are successful influencers tend to be that kind of traditionally attractive and a particular particular image that they are portraying, which not everyone fits into. I certainly don't think I fit into that. And so there's that that extra right. thing of you're looking up to people who are in a very particular mold that if you don't fit into, I think that's just a really yeah difficult thing to kind of yeah be seeing and just being, well, that's not me, so I can't. I can't be successful. I can't. Right. I think it's almost creating some of the mental health things I think you and I started with of like what's going on, why is perfectionism there, even anxiety and depression, which I know you focus on as well for your listeners. Mm. And the depression piece is that comparison as well, you know, of like, oh, they don't look like me. I don't look like them. I don't have that iconic persona of beauty or there's something wrong with me, quote unquote, and mm. I will never be successful. It's, it's very black and white thinking that's happening. Mm. And so you also talk about people who are kind of workaholics. And I know you mentioned that word and about how people can go from workaholics to being well balanced. So I would love personally, but also for the listeners to know <laughs> what, it, what it looks like to be well balanced, because <laughs> uh, I'm definitely a workaholic um, and how we can make that transition. Well, and it makes my heart happy because I think just being able to start that conversation, I hear more and more from people like yourself that this is this re is relatable. Um, I identify as a workaholic. I always have at least five hats that I'm wearing at any one given time. So even when we were talking about what we talk about today, it was like, oh, there's so many options. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of us, it's hitting that rock bottom, kind of when you like think of the addiction model, but 
something happens that snaps us into action. And that stubbornness of, nope, I'm just going to ignore all the warning signs of being a workaholic. I'm just going to keep going, keep pushing through. And my story starts there. And so um, in really figuring out what works for entrepreneurs and workaholics, I had to figure out what worked for me. Because as a therapist, self-care and taking time off were something that was commercialized. Like, everyone should do this. It's easy. And I was looking at everyone going, this isn't easy for me. I don't understand why it's not easy, but it's just not. And so I found myself running myself into the ground. I created a medical condition, or I truly believe my stress levels created a medical condition for myself. And then I started working on it. Finally, like hit that rock bottom and was like, I can't live like this anymore. And so I started crafting these 20 skills that I was giving to people in one-on-one therapy and put them into a book that we launched to say, does this help those entrepreneurs and workaholics, the people who don't have a lot of time, who glorify being busy and don't know how to take a rest. (laughs) So it's a very short little book and it helps them take this in and maybe make a change. That's the hope. Yeah. I had uh, someone in my my network uh, posted something on one of their Facebook groups last week saying, does anyone actually take, like use their days off? I said, well, I've got, I've got next week off, but we'll see how much of that remains like a week off. Um, Yes. (laughs) But I I wonder whether, um, and this is just my my perception of the US, and I don't know if it is accurate, but I think there is a different view of time off and and PTO. Um, So paid time off for UK listeners, uh, I think. Um, (laughs) Yes, (laughs) correct. Um, I think there's a different view of that in the US than there is in the UK. I think, oh, we just call it holiday, Um, is I think we still are workaholics and have difficulty, but I think holiday, uh, we, I think we have more of it and it is more encouraged to take it than it is in the US. So I think possibly there's a a kind of cultural difference there around having time Absolutely. I completely agree because I think I would love for the the US to start adopting a more healthy, well-balanced model. I think... The U.S. has instead glorified um, Brene Brown as one of these influencers who, as you named earlier, someone we all just relate to because she's done amazing things. And she calls it the badge of busyness. Like we wear this with pride on our shoulder. Like I earned this. I'm working all the time. Mm -hmm. And that workaholic is somehow a good thing. (laughs) And to glorify that almost prevents us from taking holiday or taking time off. Um, And then the Americans also created this word hustling, right? I have a side hustle or I'm hustling all the time or I have to have four jobs to make the money that I want. And frankly, this book really talks about that's not balanced either. We need to have relationships. We need to have hobbies. We need to have things that we enjoy. Otherwise, life's just going to look a little unbalanced and maybe not worthwhile at the end. Mm. How I highlight it to people is, you know, let's say we're on our deathbed. This is going to get a little morbid for a second. (laughs) Let's say we're on our deathbed. I can't imagine anyone I've ever worked with who's like, man, I wish I worked more. Mm. When you ask what they would have done more of. (laughs) It's usually friends and family and time with people. That's what we hear when they're in those like final moments. Mm. It's not, wow, I wish I'd worked 60 hour work weeks like we're glorifying right now as adults. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's just 60 hours. And I guess there's that, again, see, look, getting into US culture now. (laughs) Is that Mm -hmm. kind of... um, so if you had a contract for a job, would it say it's that many hours or would it say it's like 40, 45 or something? But really the expectation is this is actually like 60 plus. I think it's the latter. I think it's, um, you know, you're going to get your 40 hour work week. You're going to get your nine to five, eight to five, depending on what your lunch hour looks like. And then they expect you to go above and beyond to get that promotion, to get the raise, mm-hmm. to excel in that profession. And so people are just 
completely bypassing the warning signs of I need to sleep my six to eight hours or I need to have time with my family, especially for women. Mm -hmm. I think this book has resonated mostly with women because they're trying to do it all. They're trying to be moms. They're trying to work. Mm -hmm. And there's no time. I mean, there's not enough hours in the day for it all. And and your maternity time is like not. <laughs> it's awful. Yes. <laughs> This is why I'm not a mom right now. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. one of the reasons. Yeah. yeah. And do you have um, a sort of maximum um, limit? Is there something in kind of, I guess, federal legislation that's like, this is the maximum number of hours you can work in a week um, or that a company can expect you to work? Do you have anything like that? I'm pretty sure there's some regulations around traditional jobs. I think when you have like a contractor, like a plumber or an electrician or something like that. I mean, I had a client whose husband worked a 70 hour work week and the, the company found out after the fact, after he billed all his hours and said, this is not acceptable. Like this can't happen again. I think partly because they were worried they'd get in trouble with the federal regulation, but also mm -hmm. it's just not healthy. And it's a lot of money that they're, they're quote unquote losing to a contractor to yeah. go above and what they thought was the right thing for that week. You know, 70 hours is a whole lot different than 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's around that, that expectation. And maybe that's the difficult thing if you're a perfectionist anyway, and if you're wanting to sort of people please and, and then if the sort of unwritten expectation from the company is that you do like whatever it takes and you do everything, then quickly you you're working 60, 70 hour weeks. And even though it's not, what you have to do it kind of feels like it's what you're expected to do and that if you didn't there would be some kind of repercussion for that right right and then you add in the anxiety the people who are anxious and all of a sudden it's more about loyalty like oh if I don't put in my 60 hour work week or I don't stay late or I don't come in early I'm letting them down I'm mm -hmm. not being a team player I'm preventing myself from getting that opportunity. And so it's this really interesting inner dialogue that happens of like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm justifying my behavior. And this is true of my spouse even, like he's very loyal and he's been in his workplace for 13 years, which is rare for our age group of being old millennials, um, as we're called. <laughs> and, you know, he's been there and he's working his, you know, his tail off, but at the same time, he doesn't have separation the way he should. He doesn't have that work-life separation we'd like. So my next question, and and this one, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether whether it's just kind of a bit out, not out of the blue, but you know, <laughs> what your thoughts are about it. Because obviously, you sort of said about your your book, so helping people from workaholic to kind of well balanced, which feels like it's on a sort of individual level. But if the kind of cultural system and the, and the work system is like that, how much impact would you say someone could have as an individual within that system of trying to get more balance? You know, I think these two youngest generations in the workplace are really pushing for balance a little bit more. I mean, yes, we've just mm -hmm. talked about the hustling culture, but we're also hearing from millennials that they don't want to work so hard. You know, that's, I think, why they're looking for like the get rich quick <laughs> fix here in yeah. the U.S. Um, you know, they want to have time off. They're looking at how many days they're given. They're looking at their hours and most of them don't want to work weekends and most of them don't want to work till 6 p.m. or something like that. And so I think that paired with this whole pandemic that we're in right now is really helping the U.S. specifically slow down. I can only speak to what's happening here. Um, but all these people who were shuttling their kids to all the activities after school are no longer doing that. They're spending time sitting down, eating dinner together. They are no longer picking up their phones just to like be bored and scroll through social media because mm. they're on their electronics all day doing work. So mm. I actually kind of see there's like a, a silver lining or a blessing here with COVID is that we're actually 
getting one step closer to that well-balanced goal. Because you're right, I don't think it's a one-person movement. I think it's going to take everybody to say, this was unhealthy, and this was our chance mm-hmm. to change it at a bigger level. Yeah, I think there's hopefully, you know, definitely some positives that'll come from it. And I, uh, I was actually editing uh, an interview that I'd done with one of my friends, um, and uh, I'd said something about going to see her when she wasn't very well and you know it's this kind of thing we talk about going into work when you're not very well which was kind of what we did before like pre-covid because you like mm-hmm. if you were not that sick that you couldn't get out of bed like the expectation would be that you'd be there even if you kind of had the flu or whatever and we wouldn't be resting which right. is what we need and I think now that is definitely changing because now we're really seeing actually when you're ill <laughs> if you don't rest you're just spreading it. And actually it's a kind of like a really large <laughs> reminder of right. you should rest if, if you're not well. And I think that's definitely leading to a big change because I know I've definitely, and I'm quite lucky. I've got quite a, well, I think robust immune system and I don't tend to get sick that often, but definitely there are times where you're not feeling great and you're mm-hmm. around people because it was that, Oh, I don't want to let people down by having like the day off or that, that kind of pressure to be in unless unless you're really sick and I think that's changing and so that's helping with that balance absolutely being able to actually yeah listen to your body and actually if my body's saying you're sick <laughs> we need to rest right yeah well and there's this I mean it, it makes me think of this kind of comical phenomenon that happens in therapy is like you know this is part of people's self-care is to come in and do the mm-hmm. mental work and I've totally had clients who have come in after having just vomited within 20 minutes of of the appointment. I've had people come in with fever and disclose that to me in session. And I've had to have this conversation with them of like, don't do that. <laughs> like, this is not helpful. It's just like any other doctor's office. You're, you're giving your germs away to other people, every surface you're touching. And so it's just another, I think, illustration of the American culture of like, we just push through all those warning signs. Like if you're vomiting, if you have fever, any of that, please stay home. And so maybe COVID is finally, as you named, going to make that the new norm because it's quite comical when a client's like, yep, I just vomited in the bathroom on the way in. And I was like, oh my goodness, why? Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such, you know, dedication, yeah. but no, no, let's reschedule, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's part of the the kind of messaging that, that you know, really you would have been telling yourself before, like, oh yeah, I, I vomited, but I'm at work. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to do it because I'm dedicated. And, and now it's, yeah, changing to actually now, can you do it from home? Can you, you know, because actually it's about being conscientious and, and not right. spreading your germs to everyone. And, uh, and I think something I've observed is that there is possibly a bit of a kind of slowing down slightly kind of pace of life of there's not an immediate rush. There's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. not for everyone, but for that and and I saw something um the other day which was interesting I don't know if you've seen this or seen similar but um there have been and I don't know the exact numbers it's just a vague thing that I read <laughs> but there have been fewer premature babies born over this period and so something about possibly this slower pace of life having children at home being able to sort of nest a little bit more mm-hmm. actually there has been this this unexpected benefit from it that they're now researching and exploring. Yes. And I saw that article too. I didn't actually get a chance to look at it in detail. Um, but just like you, it caught my eye of like, what does mm-hmm. this mean? You know, is it that they're less stressed and there's less hypertension? And so their body is not going into the labor and delivery process so early. Um, I know on the other end of this with medicine, 
we have people that are no longer pursuing their doctor's offices or hospitals or ERs when they're sick because they don't want to get COVID. And mm -hmm. so um, I have a pre-pharmacy student who is one of my clients and they're like, yeah, my rotations, there's no one here because people are not coming in with the traditional ailments. They're actually holding fast for better or worse mm -hmm. at home. Yeah. So I guess it's a kind of positives and negatives depending on on, on which way so look we've gone off from yeah. uh, perfectionism into into this but before <laughs> I'll bring us back before I ask you my set questions because one of the things you talk about is entrepreneurs and mental health for them because I think that is a group that you know particularly when you're working for yourself you're putting the pressure on yourself because you want to be successful and you want to get your business going and there isn't that same for this for me personally there isn't that same like demarcation between this is work and this is home because it's kind of all the same which I think actually with COVID is exactly. actually for a lot a lot of people who are able to work from home as well and <laughs> that's not a thing but for, uh, can you speak a little mm -hmm. bit about mental health for entrepreneurs specifically? Yes um, I think what really stood out to me more recently when I was adopting the identity myself because I didn't always identify as an entrepreneur therapist was my go-to identity and more recently entrepreneur is that entrepreneurs are more likely to have anxiety and other mental health diagnoses. Like this was a research study I found and I was just like both curious and disheartened. Like, oh great, we're all gonna have anxiety, we're all gonna have more stress. And just like you named, it's because there's no separation. You're working on your business 24 seven. You're thinking about your business on weekends, you're answering emails, you're taking calls, you're trying to find the next creative idea to keep your business afloat. Um, I don't know if this is true in the UK, but in the US they say that the average new business or small business fails within five years. And so for entrepreneurs to have that knowing that that's possible, I think adds to their stress plate, makes them even more um, poor with their boundaries saying, mm. I've got to work till midnight or I've got to get up at 2 a.m. and make this happen. Mm. See, it's, <laughs> it's funny you saying that because as you said it, I had a little spark in my head of like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's something I could do in my business. <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, want to give you ideas except for, you know, health, yeah. healthy ideas. Well, <laughs> well, it was because I talk about anxiety and depression and that's kind of my business and the model. Um, mm -hmm. But when you said it's more prevalent in entrepreneurs, I was like, oh, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. So maybe there's something about going, oh, by the way, by the way. <laughs> so, yes. but yeah, I guess that's part of it. You never switched off because whatever you're talking about, no matter how engaging it is, and you are very engaging with the content, there's still that part of your mind that's like, oh, this is possibly something I could do in my business. <laughs> right. So creative ideas. Yes. Yeah. Always constantly. Like this book was a 4am idea um, back in January and I wrote it through COVID because I had those creative juices. And so I think like most artists or um, entrepreneurs, there's this creativity that leads to a connection to mental health because they feel things at a greater degree, the highs, mm -hmm. the lows, the joy, the sorrow, um, you know, I think of like some of these amazing painters that we've tracked over the centuries. And um, I think entrepreneurs are just another flavor of that, where they have to feel all the things to have these creative ideas that change the world. Hmm. I guess it's uh, having a balance between not stifling that creativity, but then also having those boundaries. So you have that downtime so you don't get burnt out, burnt out as well, because mm -hmm. you want to still have those sparks of inspiration. But of course. Yeah. So I think that's the difficult, the difficult balance of the boundaries. And I've had, I did a, a weekend wellbeing conference I put together in like four weeks because at like midnight one day I had this idea and then I was up till 3am doing stuff. And exactly. At, yeah. But at the time I was very much, 
it was in a place of I was in flow I was really you know I was really uh, passionate about it and really excited but that's not sustainable when you're not getting much sleep but is that yeah that that balance which I guess is um, yeah the tricky thing to to manage well and I think that's one of the tips in the book actually is like people assume that you and I don't get enough sleep. Like that's just a common um, assumption that people say to me when they talk to me, they're like, Oh, you, how did you fit this all in? You must not be getting sleep. huh?" And I was like, "Mm, (laughs) no, I get my night. I get nine hours every night, but I also have a structure where I get up at 6am every day, no matter if it's a weekend or not, because then I have the time and space to work on these things. Um, So that structure and taking time in nature or moving around and walking, all these things spark creativity but people just assume we're all sleep deprived. And I would like for that to change um, (laughs) from that assumption to like, Hey, we need the sleep to get these good ideas. So by all means, get your seven, eight, nine hours. (laughs) I I don't get nine hours. (laughs) I know that sounds really good. doesn't I'm kind of proud of that. (laughs) Um, I think it's a mix between not being a particularly good sleeper and the fact Mm. that um, I (laughs) struggle sometimes being a night owl and that kind of going, no, I need to get yeah. up at a sensible time. So I need to kind of work backwards and, and go, go to bed at a sensible time. But yeah, this is a bit, so much fun. So I could keep going off on tangents around this. Um, but I have some set questions I would love to hear your thoughts on. So okay. my first question is, what brings you joy in your life? Uh, I would say my friends, nature, and my spouse are the first three that come to mind, especially if I can have all three together. Um, more recently with COVID, I think we've all gotten mm. more creative about how we spend our downtime since we can't go to a lot of places. And so here in um, the state of Colorado, we have beautiful nature. We have mountains, we've got rivers, we've got all the things. And so I have found myself um, bicycling, biking on weekends. And that's my physical movement. That's my mm. time with my spouse. And I've been doing that with a couple friends of mine. And it's been wonderful. It's been so satisfying to have that in between all the work stuff yeah I suppose that's also that kind of um and I don't know whether it probably has been applied to the downtime as well as work but it's the idea of like working smarter not harder so you kind of taken all the things that work for you and so it's like oh I've only got like an hour for downtime so I'm just going to tick all the boxes with my downtime and get the the best kind of quality from it that I can Mm -hmm. right and they say um here they say fill your emotional bucket right so if you tick off all those boxes it just feels even more fulfilling like oh an hour is justified and you get so much more energy like positive energy from that experience it's like a nice little Mm -hmm. contact high if you will (laughs) yeah I've um I've had this week I've been several times wild swimming which is one of my favorite things to do in the river near me and I go with a friend yeah so we go in the morning with a friend so you have the nature you're kind of swimming it's quite cold (laughs) but we also (laughs) had that really nice yeah we had that really nice conversation as well so you get a lot out of it and probably by the time we've (laughs) we've chatted a bit and then acclimatized to the temperature of the water to actually swim which takes a little while it's maybe like an hour yeah (laughs) it's maybe like an hour in total kind of from getting out the car to getting back in the car but it's just such an uplifting hour that it's yes that sounds totally lovely mm-hmm. yeah you've got rivers um yes. whether you can swim in them I don't know questionable cleanliness <laughs> lots of people and small spaces <laughs> mm. and very cold yeah. also mm-hmm. yeah and I imagine are they like fast flowing rivers so. 
they would be if it was earlier in the spring. So right now we're in summer, and so all the snow melt from the mountains have already melted off, um, and so we're kind of at that drier spell right before the okay. fall. Yeah. Okay. So my next one. So getting off on a tangent again. <laughs> my next <laughs> one is what makes life meaningful for you? Purpose. That is so mm. important. I think, especially to these workaholic entrepreneur perfectionists that I self-identify with and work with is like, if we're not doing this for a purpose, why are we here? Right. I mean, that sounds kind of um, abrupt, maybe a little bit crass, but you know, for a lot of these people, especially with COVID happening, they're taking this mental inventory to say, why am I here? What's my purpose in this world? What am I supposed to do? What am I meant to do? Kind of the calling idea. Um, And so if I don't have purpose, I think my mental health would be so much worse. Because if I didn't feel like I was moving towards something, I think I'd be miserable. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, definitely resonate with that. Because I I think for myself, a couple of years ago, I realized I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. And so it was that kind of sense of, well, I'm not really living the life I want to do because I'm not really doing that thing that I'm really excited about and that I really want to do. And so it wasn't until I started doing it that then things started to kind of feel better. Because I guess it's that comparison thing or you see people doing the thing you want to do and you're like oh, I wish I was doing that or right. yeah it's that disconnect from yeah your purpose and then what you're actually spending your time doing and so I guess it's another yeah. unexpected benefit um <laughs> I guess of COVID giving people a bit of space to think is this really what I want to be doing or what do I want to be doing with my exactly. life exactly yeah awesome uh, so my next two questions it's kind of like a two-parter We talk a lot about mental wellness on the podcast. So the first part is what does mental wellness mean to you? Oh, I could talk about that for like three hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mental wellness is balance. Mental wellness is, I think, this beautiful combination you and I have talked about of purpose and connection, relationships, um, something within our value system. You know, all these things come together for us to feel that joy, that happiness and contentment. Um, my favorite word is fulfillment. Like we feel fulfilled in what mm-hmm. we're doing. And so mental wellness is making all the effort to make that happen. Uh, specifically mm-hmm. for me, it's making sure I walk every day. I need to physically move my body. Otherwise I do not feel, feel well. And it, it starts at a cellular body level and then it moves to a mental level. And I've learned the hard way when I tried to have a lazy day, as we call it, that it just doesn't feel good. It does not help mm-hmm. my mental wellness to sit on the couch and Netflix and and just like binge watch a show. It's not my thing. Mm. <laughs> you kind of preempted the second part, but I'll ask you anyway, oh. in case you want to add some more to it. And that is what you do to look after your own mental well-being. Yeah, I think especially having written this book, I was trying to be mindful of not just going the whole self-care is easy route, because as we've named, that's not easy for a lot of people. If it was, we wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> and so mm. I've encouraged a lot of people around me to just take walks every day. And it's an amazing experience one that I can still do that especially now with COVID like being outside is one of the safer things we can do Um, but I've had colleagues start texting me pictures of them walking at their lunch hour or walking in the morning and they're saying I'm listening to lovely music and I'm so happy being outside Mm. and it's just amazing the ripple effect it makes me feel good it makes them feel good Um, they feel like sharing it so it's just kind of this really cool mm. movement that's happening of people being like, hey, I'm outside. Here's my picture. Where's yours? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever do a kind of walking therapy with uh, the clients you work with? Because I saw an article about that and about that, that benefit of doing counseling whilst outside and, and walking. 
Absolutely. I've done here where I'm sitting in this office, we have two parks next door. So we have like one that you can walk around in a loop. And then there's one that's called a reading garden where people tend to go for lunch. Um, and I have felt very lucky to have both those spaces to take clients out to when their anxiety is really high and they literally can't sit still. Um, but through COVID, I've had two clients who we've masked up and we've walked the six feet apart and we've actually used that to process what's happening because, mm -hmm. um, the connection to therapy is that left, right movement of your legs, right? So as you're walking left, right, left, right, that is actually helping you think and mm -hmm. process. This is why one of our most popular therapy modalities uses that left to right movement in it. Um, it's also why you see people pacing in movies, right? When they're trying to think of the aha moment, they pace. Mm -hmm. Same phenomenon. So I am very grateful that I've had two walk and talk clients this whole time. And I've actually been walking to and from the office to do my telehealth or teletherapy. Yeah. So lots of walking for everybody. Yeah. Awesome. So my next question, sometimes a bit of a challenge, we'll see, uh, is uh, can you describe your own mindset? That is challenging. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I should, right? As a therapist? Hmm. Maybe it's purposely vague. Yeah. That's part yes. of the fun. It's part of the fun. Describe my <laughs> own mindset. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of words like driven, purposeful, hopeful, even amidst COVID, which is surprising because there's a lot of heavy that we're all holding, especially the mental health practitioners. Um, I don't know. I think having this conversation with you today and with other people, like I would really like to change this busyness factor. So my mindset is a movement towards that well-balanced. What does that look like for each individual and on that corporate level, on that work-based level? Because you're right. I don't think it's just going to be individual people. I think I'm going to eventually have to create content for the workplace and help them get on board. Challenge accepted. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your new idea that's been sparked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Next step. <laughs> Next step. Yeah. Big step. Big step. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my next question um, is that we like to give people kind of practical ideas of things that they can try out. So do you have between one and three tips of things you'd recommend people have a go at that are going to have a massive impact? So maybe you can do just general or maybe we can aim them at workaholic perfectionists, uh, things that they can do. Yes, up to you. absolutely. I think the first one is to schedule out downtime. So whether that's time for walking, as we've talked a lot about today. I literally had to learn how to schedule my lunch hour because as an entrepreneur, we set our own schedule. And if it's not scheduled, it doesn't happen. It's what I've learned the hard way. So all of a sudden I'm scarfing, you know, something quick to eat and I'm not taking the time to take that mental break. So I'd say tip number one, actually schedule your downtime, even if it's just an X on your, cal your calendar. Um, I'm a fan of planners where, you know, you have that thing you carry with you at all times. And I get satisfaction out of blocking it out, Xing it out, saying this is not available. I'm not taking calls. I'm not answering emails. I am doing whatever I'm supposed to be doing for myself. So tip number one, if you haven't invested in something like this, I would say invest in scheduling out your downtime. Um, tip number two we've talked about, which is movement. Even if it's just 10 minutes of movement, I've actually encouraged people to stretch between activities, especially if you're working from home. Get up out of your chair, stretch a little bit let your mind wander without looking at technology. Um, so I have people doing just 10 minutes a day and that makes a difference. And then I would say the third thing is my most interesting during COVID, which is who's in your orbit. So asking yourself who's surrounding you. Um, I think when we were all super busy, we were just saying yes to a lot of different things and to a lot of different people. And that was draining, very draining. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm encouraging people to say, to identify who's in their orbit. Are these people that energize me? Are these people that drain me? And how do I shift my energy to spending more time with these people who are positive in my life and to kind of put these other people on the back burner or less time for them? Just because as entrepreneurs, we do have a lot going on and it's almost important. It's most important to just feel like we have people around us that inspire rather than drain. Brilliant. Thank you. Fab, fab tips. Uh, So my, my last question is how people can connect with you online. If they are interested in working with you, if they want to grab a copy of your book, where can they find you? Yeah. So I think probably the easiest to find me would be LinkedIn when it comes to like professional connections. Um, the book is only on Amazon. So they have an Amazon account. They just type in the word perfectioner, which is the word perfection and you are like entrepreneur. Um, it'll pop up books on there as ebook and paperback. If they'd like to check it out, there's also a workbook, um, that actually helps people learn these skills at a deeper level, dive in a little bit more. And honestly, because of the spelling of my first name, pretty sure you can find me just typing in my name <laughs> if you put me in Google. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel about that, but you know, people can find me on social media for sure. Awesome. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes and when we share this episode to kind of tag you uh, in it so people can find you that way Thank as you. well. Thank you so much, Cara. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and going kind of wherever we went. <laughs> it's been really fun. What on the journey. Yes. Yeah. But I think that's what, make, that's what makes it fun, just kind of seeing where we go. And, and thank you to everyone who's been listening and coming on that journey with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again to Cara. Uh, as I said, I loved this conversation. Um, again, we could have kept talking for ages and Cara kindly joined us for that discussion panel as well. And it's one of those things I think I, I love about podcasting is meeting new people, making these connections. And I think I've been very blessed in that. I don't think I've had any interviews or conversations where it has been really difficult, really uncomfortable. I really felt this isn't, (laughs) it's not a good fit or it's, I've been really lucky that the guests that I've spoken to, both the ones that have been released, their, their episodes and the ones still in the pipeline have been fantastic. But there have been some that have, I don't, I guess stood out. I guess that that's fair to say that, um, and and I and I like having those connections where it might just be a one-off, but it's an amazing conversation, but also where it's an amazing conversation, but it leads on to further kind of collaboration or kind of touching base. And so we've had some people who have popped up a couple of times. Uh, so we've had Natalie, Christina, I'm going to try and see if I can do it in chronological order. And uh, Natalie has been on twice, also was involved in the wellbeing event. They did. Jess Critchlow has only been on once, but was uh, my co-host for that, that wellbeing event. And someone who I do have regular virtual coffee with. Um, she's fab. And I think that now it's fair to say that she's a, an internet friend, um, as well as having been on the show previously. Um, we had Sheila came on uh, and Tamari came on for solo episodes. And then when we were talking about racial inequality and mental health and Shiggy uh, was on for the suicide discussion panel and an episode and then Anna Kara also. Um, and then uh, Alison, who was in that panel, also has an episode in the pipeline. Uh, Claire, uh, we have yet to schedule, but will at some point be on 
the show as well. So I, I, I just love this making those connections. You know, we are a social species and I'm going to talk to people from all around the world. Uh, people are listening from, I think we've hit like 20 different countries or something like that, which is amazing. So, hey, that can be the thing if you're <laughs> tagging me in socials this week. I'd love to know where you are tuning in from because um, I just think it, it's amazing, isn't it, how how connected we are and having those opportunities to connect with people and have conversations, really deep, meaningful conversations that I personally learn a lot from and hopefully you do as well from people who I might not otherwise have met. Um, I just think it's amazing. And so when there is that that fantastic connection, that having that collaboration is so amazing. And uh, talking of, um, I... I guess I'm going to do a little bit of a a plug for some for something different. So as I said, Claire Davis, who was on that suicide discussion panel as well, um, the the live and the podcast, and will be on the show at some point. She has just released a book, and full disclosure, I have not checked it out yet <laughs> because uh, I've not had a chance to. And I have a massive reading list, but it's definitely definitely on my list to read. So. Uh, for anyone who's like, what, who, <laughs> what are you talking about? Claire is a mental health first aid trainer and she has launched a podcast called Mental Health Chats with Claire Davis, where she has these short chats on her YouTube channel and now has released a podcast. And she has released a book called Emotional Fitness A to Z for Positive Mental Health. And it's very much an action book of things that you can do to help bring positive mental health into your life um and this as you know this is something that is very close to my heart it's kind of the whole vibe of this podcast um if you've got this far if you're listening to me chatting away now you probably have got that (laughs) got that impression it's it's what we talk about so it's definitely something that I'm going to be checking out and having spoken with Claire I was on Claire's podcast as well and and YouTube um I'm sure it is an amazing resource so recommending that to you to to check out as well if you want more of these kind of top tips um also saying that you can listen back to our roundup of top tips uh, every 15 or so episodes I do a strategy roundup which is just a nice thing to dive into if you are feeling a bit uh, what uh, what should I be doing um and yeah next week next week we will be joined by Leah on Monday absolutely it is happening <laughs> it's an episode that um has been sort of pushed back um from Monday to next Monday but we'll definitely be out so look forward to that and Wednesday I think it's going to be a bit different next week I have been reflecting on depression. Um, It's something that I I do talk about um, from my own journey and experience. And I listened back to the podcast episode I recorded with Lucas Land for his We Don't Talk About That podcast about mental health. And I talked a bit in that. And then I was just reflecting, I guess, on where I am in my own mental health journey and on depression and on some of the challenges and all that kind of stuff. So I think next Wednesday, I haven't listened back to it. I recorded it on my phone in the car because it was just like a stream of consciousness. 
it might be awful <laughs> but probably uh i'll be releasing that next wednesday as a solo episode and i haven't done a solo episode since season one uh because i love having these conversations as i've been waffling on about for a little while now uh, i love those conversations and connecting uh my dog is starting to bark and be playful downstairs which is probably the sign for me to wrap this up <laughs> so please do rate review um rate and review the show on podcast on po- uh, can't even talk see <laughs> that's that is a sure sign that i've been talking too long if you've enjoyed the episode please do rate and review on itunes because that's really the sort of the go-to place <laughs> for uh, for charts and that kind of stuff and you can subscribe follow wherever you listen to your podcast so that will just magically appear uh in whatever whatever thing that is sorry just laughing at the dog barking uh and yeah please do connect with me on socials I would love to know where you are tuning in from and tag me at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching to let me know because I'm nosy um for no other reason than that although maybe it would be really cool to have like a psyche map uh we can try and cover the whole globe with uh with listeners but yes please please have a fab week um i encourage you to cut yourself some slack you know um as a as a workaholic you know perfectioner just being kind to yourself i think is something in the solo episode comes up that coming back to that kind of message of being kind to yourself and meeting yourself where you are I think that really sounds simple isn't (laughs) all the things that sound really simple aren't necessarily that simple to do but I think that is kind of what I try and live by try being the key word in that sentence (laughs) but um, I think it's a good a good thing to try and aim for uh, the dog really wants to wants to play so I apologize if you've been hearing him bark long if you haven't and I just am talking about the dog you might be like what <laughs> but that is my sign to say goodbye wish you a fantastic week and I will speak to you again on Monday take care bye